like it's always just like uh, oh, hey, anyway, oh, right. I'm in a video game. You gotta be all up in this microphone. September 19th, 2012, and Idle Thumbs is a proud member of the Telefragged Network. This is Idle Thumbs 75. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And we are also joined today by J.P. LeBreton, who works with me at Double Fine, and is a longtime friend of Idle Thumbs. Hello. Hi. Hey. Good to be here. Thanks hey. for coming. So you guys were hanging out me. here. You just stopped being introduced. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was starting to talk. I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. <laughs> okay, good. Um... You guys were here just a few days ago because you guys were playing XCOM. Yeah. The original XCOM. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't here. That's true. Was it awesome? Yeah, it was really cool. We did a uh, we did a stream. We brought back Evan Lottie, who was um, on the show last week and also did our, our Daisy stream with us. He was also hanging out here uh, while JP commandeered a uh, platoon of XCOM soldier men i don't know what that's called what do you what do you call a yeah, group they're of soldiers they're, they're referred to as soldiers in the ue so yeah but like what's a, good... what's a group of them are they uh a squad comrades no i don't know <laughs> you son yeah. of a bitch yeah so yeah you guys um, <laughs> but the main thing is that i got them killed so yeah that's isn't that what you do though isn't that what happens <clears throat> it is it is it kind of is what happens yeah chris you said that it started off awesome and then it became a sad yeah there were some really great early moments yeah in that stream there yeah some really amazing and and mostly jp sniper uh <laughs> That's pulled right. Out, yeah. Pulled out at a, an amazing clutch <laughs> snipe, I guess. Yeah. But apparently the internet informed me afterwards that I was actually playing terribly and not doing all manner of well, one guy did. advanced tactics and stuff. Um, but, you know, that's – see, see, I was trying to play terribly so that people would get killed and it would be dramatic. There you so go. I wasn't just owning the game You don't constantly. need to do that in XCOM. No, <laughs> XCOM yeah. will do that yeah. for you. Yeah. It, is, it is crazy playing a game that is that unforgiving. Yeah. And that, it, that, that knows it is and is calibrated for that. You know, I mean, it's just yeah, that that right. game so expects you to yeah. just eat shit. Yeah, uh, it's bizarre. I mean, I I don't ex- I don't expect the Firaxis one to be that to be that just unremittingly brutal. No, yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty much what I'm most curious about. Like, it sounds like they've done a fantastic job with so many things, and the main thing I want to see is just like that fairly subjective, you know, difficult mm-hmm. global difficulty slider because because it is like you know it's aesthetically very relevant, you know, because like games that commit to being really difficult are like well. This game is all about you dying a lot and, you know, like Dark Souls embraced that really wholeheartedly and stuff. And it, and it matters, you know, it comes across particularly to, to, to very game literate people who, you know, are both looking for a challenge, but also like, you know, just wanting to have new game experiences revealed to them through that kind of punishing difficulty. Mm-hmm. Cause I think it does open up new, new territory aesthetically, you know, when it, no, it, really it absolutely does. Uh, although there's definitely something that is, I think different about the way there are, there are actually, there are a lot of ways that they're similar, but I think there are also big ways that the way that XCOM is difficult is different than the way say dark souls is difficult in the Definitely, sense that yeah. dark souls is difficult in the moment. Um, yeah. I mean, you could also make 
just bad decisions that will that will mess you up. But it's primarily difficult uh, mechanically. Um, XCOM is also difficult XCOM mechanically. Is difficult to but, comprehend, though, isn't it? I mean, well, it's it is that. But but even if you comprehend, even your if brain you understand contain. the whole, <laughs> even if you understand XCOM really well mechanically, um, the difference is that in XCOM you can just ruin a playthrough terminally. You know, I mean, uh, you, yes. can, you can yeah. just yeah, run you can be your screwed. entire operation yep. into the yeah. ground, or you can be in, in a like way a... that in a game like Dark Souls, it's not quite that you can keep trying again and again and again and again. Yeah, um, yeah but it's yeah. possible to just just fail. XCOM yeah. will continue to function, but you are just fucked forever, basically. No, I mean, I mean well, you can just lose. I mean, you yeah, can just... yeah, you can get, you, yeah, you can straight up lose. Like, there's various situations where your entire squad gets killed off, mm. or you lose a base invasion mission, or something like that. Spoilers. Um, or you lose the final mission. There's all like it has a game over screen, you know, and you can get to it relatively easily just by letting right. it continue to apply okay. its. But but unlike a roguelike or something like that, it's not losing a hard fought campaign in XCOM is not the same as like <clears throat> oh I died in FTL or or Binding of Isaac or like whatever roguelike. That's true because yeah. in those or Spelunky well, thing, you in just those have games this, this specific thing that you've invested yeah, in and then, then that is just murder. it's just understood yeah. oh you just instantly start over and yeah. try again yeah, yeah. for an hour or two or whatever. Um, I, whereas you know losing an XCOM game can be something that takes hours and hours and hours and hours and hours to do that's true yeah like it's a little like XCOM is a little closer to traditional roguelikes you know as opposed to the newer that's wave true. rogue rogue where you could devote likes. that much time to um yeah yeah because yeah it's and and also like once you once you've got like we spend a lot of time uh on the, on the XCOM stream just explaining basics and just talking about people because you know we were mm-hmm. like hey oh, this is a really cool game and if you can if you can mount the, the first part of the learning cliff you know you'll be in for a good time whereas I don't know. Yeah, like once once you're conversant with it, you can get in and play a play a quick play a relatively quick game. It still probably takes a lot longer than Civ to play a full game, but it still comes. You know, like the missions are these nice bite sized chunks and stuff. So. Yeah, I, I feel like I need to watch the XCOM stream because I've occasionally tried to touch XCOM and then it has just like burned my brain on contact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I've I've, it really I've, is. I've been looking That's at the idle forums and a couple other places at people who watched the stream and I, I saw a handful of people or I've heard from a handful of people who then after watching the stream finally actually loaded up XCOM in their Steam library for the second time in their life and mm-hmm. were able to actually play it, and that's yes. awesome. Like, oh, that's the oh great. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah, it's, it, was, it was a good stream. It was fun. It's kind of like, yeah, like a lot of those difficult forbidding games like that just need a good a good enough beginner's guide that people can feel like I didn't I, I never played Dwarf Fortress until somebody pointed me to a good wiki entry that was that was just like, OK, here's what you need to know. Follow this. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. not it's not actually going to kick your ass if you just do these simple things. Yep. And then that, that just gives you a foothold. Mm-hmm. So people have come before you and banged their head against this wall for long exactly. enough that you don't have to as much. Yeah. 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 XCOM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and apparently Evan has played the uh, the Firaxis. Yeah, he's played a fair amount of it. He likes it a lot. It yeah, seems. yeah, and it's like from you know what, what he was telling us on the on the stream and all that. It sounds fantastic, and it sounds like they're you know the, that that team very much appreciates what the original did, and you know we're trying to do it. Um, and yeah, and so that that's why I'm really curious because they're also you know modern modern a modern game development team trying to make something sure. that is going to that people are going to appreciate in in 2012. Yeah. So that's why that's why the difficulty thing is the thing I'm most curious about. Absolutely, and presumably um, it'll ha- it'll have a, a, a range of difficulty settings. I would yes, I would imagine. Right. You know, yeah, which it's gonna allows have... you to get away with a lot more than if yeah. you are trying to make a game that is kind of one size fits all. Um, there's there's something that is nice about the um, the tutorial to that game to Fraxis's XCOM game, which I played uh, during PAX. The tutorial itself is not interesting from a gameplay standpoint because it's all entirely prescribed. It's one of those things where 
you can only do the thing that the game is. You're yeah. using all the game interface to do these things. Right. But, but everything's effectively functionally dimmed out except for the one. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Which yeah. is whatever. That's fine. I mean, it's I'm not crazy about that stuff, but whatever. I, I think it works for this game because what they did with it was to have all of your squad members but one die in the tutorial without any fanfare or like comment at all it's right. just, oh this guy's dead and then the you're like weird overlord commander guy is just like well delta two you do it now i mean it's just there's no <laughs> there is absolutely no sentimentality attached to these characters dying which um which is good because in a game like xcom the the response the player response should come entirely from the course of the campaign yes you yeah. becoming attached to these players yeah. for what they do and yeah. whatever your particular instance of this game is not because yeah, yeah. the characters of the game are deciding that well, this it, it was yeah important that, that's that it was, also good that right off the bat they're like you're exactly. gonna lose dudes yeah, yeah, yeah. dudes yeah. are going yeah, right. down and yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah. deal yeah. with it and yeah. also we as the developers are realistic about our ability to make you care about you know random you know Sometimes people do really care about Joe a small like jerk. dude like that. Though. No, they well, should, but it but, should be them. It should be the game systems that. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, yeah, and that's what that's what the original the, like even our playthrough. You know, we got attached to these random jerks and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. The sentence "Carl Winslow is under alien control" was yeah. a heartbreaking yeah. moment. Yeah, that was a that was a baroque <laughs> moment because it meant that we were going to have to tase Carl Winslow, <laughs> which we did, and, and then we carried his corpse back on our Sky Ranger in the hopes of saving him. Yeah, which we didn't. He died, I guess, on the way back or oh, something. I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Also, the last two – God, that was an incredible mission. Even though that mission just ended in complete abject defeat, it was really incredible. There was a um, – we flew out to – what was it? Uh, Havana? Yeah. Um, yeah there's a terror there was, mission in there Havana. There was an alien like, terrorism happening in Havana. Good. And so we, we flew out to intercept it. And when we got there, it was in the middle of the night. So it was a, a terror mission and it was, it was dark. I mean it was you know nighttime. Yeah. And it was – I mean we just got taken apart – and uh, and the most one of the so first of all one of the first well, things that happened was Carl Winslow being being mind controlled uh, and then by the what were some other crew member, member names who did notable things uh, in this, J P Sniper <laughs> was really good um, uh, and he he I think was more notable in the first battle yeah. where he yeah. J P Sniper's career peaked early. Yeah, he got well because he, he was out wounded blood and like he was wounded and then he took out a dude in a single shot like after that it was awesome yeah um but uh but in that in that other night mission i mean our oh god our guys were just dropping left and right yeah and then the there last, were two cyber discs and a and a freaking psionics alien commander alien leader yeah, yeah so and then uh the last two characters left on our XCOM force were two were male and female brother and sister that the game had just happened to assign the same last name. So it was like a male and female of them. So they were like this brother and sister team who were the completely by chance were the only two sold, you know, XCOM soldiers left on the battlefield right. yeah. who then just ha- like, just had seen their entire squad just <laughs> decimated torn to pieces, yeah. like turn on its own, like just, yeah. just get torn to bits by cyber discs, just all, ki- just all kinds of horrible shit. And then the, this brother and sister had to just, had to drag Carl Winslow's corpse back to the Sky Ranger and just get yeah. out, just admit yeah. defeat and just get out of there with their lives and save the ship. The yeah. sister probably had some affection for Carl Winslow as well. Like that <laughs> probably story probably. So. Or maybe the brother did. Or maybe yeah. the brother it's, did. Yeah. yeah. You, don't, you don't know. Eh, in that movie, all we know is sister. he was a comrade in arms. That's and true. They, uh, maybe they, they, maybe it was a bitter love triangle. Of the brother That's and true, the sister yeah. both angling yeah. for Carl Winslow's affections, and then when he was under alien control. Now, was... see, here's where I'm going to point out that yeah, there's a there's a there's a fine line between you know game good gameplay extrapolated player story and fan fiction. 
I'll happily what do you, what contribute is this? to either. Did Jake's, Jake's good extrapolated player story is not good enough for you? It's, I'm saying it's, it's not a enough little, about guns and Steve, aliens. I'm, Steve, I just called you Steve. Jesus, because of, <laughs> because of your accusations, apparently. Oh um, no! See what Steve the accuser. That um, the Twitch TV video is available to be pulled and ripped. And then turned into a YouTube vid on my personal account that tells the true story of the bro- <laughs> that brother, sister, and Carl Winslow. All right, so yeah. that's Good. not going to happen. But if it does, um, it'll be pretty poignant. I-, I think it'll be canon, actually, if you do it. So <laughs> go for it. If Video Games does it. It'll be- yeah. I'll send it to Firaxis and say, put this into the new game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that well, is the kind of Carl Winslow you DLC. Get, you'd get a handwritten letter from a 12-year-old who, yeah. or like, I guess probably like an 8-year-old. Who would write that? Who would say, "Please, pu- please put this in the video game," and it would be their weird story about their character that would then show up at the yep. office. Yeah, I wrote your DLC for you on spec. Hope you like it. Games. Yeah. 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 So XCOM exists. Yeah, it was really cool. It was fun to do. I'm glad we did that. It made me want to play XCOM really badly. <laughs> so I guess yeah. I'll have to find some time to do that now. Thanks for coming over and doing it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, there was also a guy in the chat channel who spent the whole stream, or spent the whole, like, I don't know, at least two hours of the stream <laughs> role playing as one of JP's scientists from the game. And scientists are characters who you kind of just buy in bulk and they just exist, like, in your base researching <laughs> Wait, things. So, but so did you guy- guys not notice this for a long time? No, we, we noticed it pretty early no, on. Yeah, like, okay. Chris was watching the, was watching the chat was, channel. He was just there, like, like just, was his name in chat the name of your of one of your scientists? Well, they don't have names. No, they don't no, have names. They are completely just, generic. Just have, and, like, and that was 30, the, 30 scientists. That was the brilliance like, of it. Yeah, yeah, the guy was brilliant. And yeah, he provided us with a... He started off as... I wish we had... There's no transcript because we didn't... You know, we don't yeah, have any record yeah. of this, but like he started off and he's just when JP assigned his first uh, uh, research, research, pro- research, research project, project which yeah. was laser weapons, Sweet. the guy the guy was just started starting our first research project. Really interested in this one. Just got a uh, paper published, and the guy linked to an actual like <laughs> patent Google from the nineteen sixties, like a patent <laughs> in the sixties of like laser powered rifle simulation yep. or something yep. like, yeah got, got a got a patent published this is pretty good none of us ever thought we'd actually see field work with any of this stuff like it was what <laughs> yeah it, it was, was amazing yeah and then later really, he was talking about like you know he was like wait a second there's soldiers in here i thought this was a research base like, it was, <laughs> yeah it was it was extremely oh good oh my god yeah yeah if anybody has if anybody who's listening has has the transcript of that chat because they yeah. were logged in with an irc client or something that keeps logs i don't know post that on the forums or something because yeah it's a god it seems like a treasure yeah. that's amazing it was really really yeah. good what there's soldiers <laughs> yeah yeah it's amazing yeah, yeah. oh man and the way the guy the way the guy exited just i he probably just got tired of doing it because he it was our, yeah. and yeah. suddenly all the, <laughs> the chat he was just like my oh my god my arm's on fire my arm's on fire oh my god i'm on fire and then he just left the room and that, <laughs> that <was it. laughs> oh man yeah uh, Little thumb streams are good. That's FYI. Yeah, it's <laughs> we probably hold the record for most enjoyable Twitch TV uh, comments, yeah. uh, like chat room fodder. Yeah. yeah, because apparently a role playing scientist will show up. Yep, um, and also it's cool because you you get such the, the FTL stream was this was probably most similar to the FTL stream mm-hmm. I think yeah. um, in terms of general tone and like type of already audience participation. In that in both of those we got a really nice mix of people who were totally new to the game in question and were just were. Mm-hmm 
And then just full lords. And just, yeah, total yeah, lords like who just knew lords. all the little yeah. – who could just point out the yep. little tiny things JP was neglecting to do or like yeah. having interesting like suggestions and stuff. Um, yeah, it was, it's it was awesome. Really cool. Yeah, totally. And they and they were both also, you know, very difficult games where that yeah. kind of participatory, you know, gameplay really, really helps. But I feel well, like – And they're also well, games where the – everything everything that happened – well, I mean there, there are random things in the game obviously. But like, you know, more so than, than like a first-person shooter or something, they're games where – decisions are constantly being made that are decisions with discrete choices as opposed to Mm -hmm. like in a shooter you're making kind of snap decisions of like oh do i go down this corridor or whatever but like in in xcom or ftl you're making choices that someone watching you can discreetly say oh i think you should do this or like i think you should do that and those are things that have very tangible ease like directly observable results Mm -hmm. in the game itself and so they're really I, I don't think we I don't think we thought about this before streaming XCOM or FTL. I think it's just I'm realizing now in retrospect why those games are so cool. For or one of the reasons those games are so cool to stream is because of the way that they accept input and then output based on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I feel like having uh, a guy role playing as a nondescript <laughs> one numbered like uh, like group mass yeah. unit in the chat makes probably makes that chat experience superior to the FTL chat yeah, it's experience. Pro- prob- probably Although so. we did on the FTL thing we did have we did have all the 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 thumbs cast members and stuff who who weren't present as as crew members, you know. We had yeah. we had scoops That's and That's true. That was pretty good. And Nick and yeah, so um, And the the scientist thing, the guy role playing as a scientist. That is that is by the way, I think another thing that d- does directly come out of the fact that this game does have so many just systems that are observable going on. So there's yeah. stuff you can easily grab onto and mm-hmm. be like, oh, well, yep. there's this whole system of scientists working in the background that the game is actually doing. Like it's a thing that is yeah, happening. It's in simulationally the game. real instead of just like, right. cause, cause yeah, you could just as easily have, you know, a first person shooter like, like so- Doom 3 or something. Social hub like, oh, or something where it's like, oh, look, scientists place. are doing research, right. but that's just, it's, they're doing research.anim well, as I opposed mean, to just, you know, yeah. I, I feel this is an, an opportunity for a seg because we're talking about scientists doing yep. research with their arm on fire, being surprised that soldiers are there. Oh, um, and of course that yeah. directly leads into what? Black Mesa source. <laughs> oh, All right, good. Well done. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. I'll give, that, give you that. Is that yeah? Come on! Don't shoot! I'm with the science team. <laughs> yeah, um, that Black Mesa source. I, I, probably a large percentage of the Idle Thumbs listeners know what that is, but it's it's a weird blast from the past in all possible possible ways. It's um, it's a fan made total conversion mod using the Source SDK, uh, recreating the entire single player campaign from Half Life One inside of the Source engine using almost all new assets like i don't think they even are lifting a lot of half-life 2 assets if any i think that they might be super stoked about the fact that everything with the exception of some of the like iconic sound design is pulled straight or is not lifted even the sound design i think they they kind of like up you know in a sense like like a really faithful recreation of computer buzzes and bloops are the ones from half-life 2 actually as are the suit the hev oh that's right yeah because there are some half-life 2 yeah so what do they do about music like when you put on the hev suit does it make it's all they had a new composer write new new music so, so yeah. when you put that on, you don't get the classic like no, no. It plays a different. It plays a different. Oh, the valve, valve sound. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, the the mod was born out of when Valve announced that they were going to make Half Life One Source. Everyone's yeah, like, yeah. Mind's I, mean, I remember eye, that. Yeah, yeah. Painted like oh, so you're going to be taking Half Life One and repaving it in the Source mm-hmm. engine to look like yeah. Half Life Two. But what they actually did was literally we're going to recompile the Control maps. C, yeah. Control V, the maps yeah. into in, into Source. We're recompile the maps and have a different water shader. Yeah, they, yeah. they use the Source engine water shader so this this 
this mod has been in development for like six years or yeah. more. Well, it's funny because I, I, well, everything I ever felt like I heard about this mod was, oh, it's taking forever. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, it was just available for download. Yeah. Like, is, yeah. They, they did people out, know this was coming? Or uh, they, they had a countdown clock running for the last couple of weeks. But, like, oh, the, I the wasn't big, even aware of The big of that. notable Black Mesa Source thing, like, this is basically the Duke Nukem Forever of mods. Like, they put out, yeah, 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 they, yeah. They put out a spectacular looking trailer in 2008, <laughs> right. which then ended with 2009, right. which is a straight one-to-one of the Duke Nukem Forever E3 2001 trailer. Oh, oh that one. The, yeah, 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 the, yeah, the 2001 trailer yeah. that was just like, this is the most spectacular thing ever. And then when Duke finally shipped, it was basically the asset from that <laughs> right um so but like yeah it's 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 weird to be playing this for a thousand reasons and i don't know if it's worth talking about all of them but like you can tell that it was made because people in it always have the urge to look back at old graphics mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. and make new graphics and, games and instead of them. them yeah um this is one of the more extensive ones of those at least yeah, that's, ac- like that's actually sure, shipped yeah. But this sort of funny thing about it is that it started when Half Life Two came out. Right. But so it now it's really dated. Yeah. The thing, the thing about that, like, <laughs> yeah, I it's see, like it's like seven years old now. Yeah. I can't like, decide what I think about that, but it actually just means that Half Life One or like Half Life Two and Black Mesa Source now just feel like they have this, uh, like this aesthetic that is canon to what Half Life is. <laughs> right. If like, if that one just because that one didn't like rise up to like where right. Valve was at with Portal Two, it just yeah. rose up to about where Half Life Two was. In yeah, you can smush them into it. And Half Life Two doesn't look well. I don't know. It doesn't look terrible for a game that's you know eight years old now. I guess you know it's. It's, Does it look terrible? No, no. Sorry, I was no, just yeah. I, my basic arithmetic failed me. But I think it's interesting that half the time between Half Life One and Half Life Two is less <laughs> than the time <laughs> between Half Life Two and Black Mesa Source. <laughs> yep, that's true. So yeah. that's yeah. an interesting yeah. weird thing. But they, a full two years less. The the other thing that those guys did though, which uh, is usually not good, but occasionally kind of interesting, is that it's using it's got the Havoc physics engine in it, and it also has all sorts of other just things that the source engine can do but they've used that to try and add the half-life 2 gameplay systems into half-life 1 and because of that they also then went and added or changed a lot of puzzles and they changed a lot of content around it's so it's yeah it just feels like you're playing i wasn't expecting that yeah it's weird i wasn't expecting it either like then they also went off the deep end with weird shit like it has iron sights if you want oh hmm. it's really weird yeah that stuff uh, people complained the moment that was announced yeah you can turn, the, you can the, turn the, that off yeah the purists yeah, right. went nuts but yeah it was very weird to be i i've played like the first hour mm-hmm. or so of that game and it was it, it was weird to see like this the big iconic moment of like the the lobby or the uh, crazy particle accelerator machine, which is his name I've forgotten now, and then suddenly to find that you're going through a slightly different set of corridors because right. they decided yeah. that they had a way that you could slide a box around differently to reveal a thing, and then you're oh, on the really? elevator yeah. that's going down with a thousand head crabs jumping at you. Yeah, the um, a funicular. <laughs> The, uh, a word what? that I learned from Deus Ex Three that is called a funicular. Oh, so you're you're descending There's, in the funicular. Did we ever talk about that? It's like, podcast? The, is it like the diagonal elevator kind of concept yeah. that always shows did up. We, in did we talk about that on the podcast? Ever on Deus Ex Three? There's a level in Deus Ex Three where you're told to go to the funicular, but like <laughs> oh, I didn't you know. know what that was. When you know I was the funicular. Told, You've got to get to the funicular, Adam. <laughs> I'm like oh, that guess, doesn't sound I, very fun. I guess I do. And then, but then what was so funny about it is you go through this level and there's like 
there's signs everywhere. Like there's shit painted on the wall that way. looks like funicular. Big arrow. Like here, this way to the funicular. Yeah. Because you're like the kid whose so, imagination is painting the picture of what the funicular is. Yeah. And you're like, I can't yeah. wait till I get to the funicular. Yeah. And you're like, it's oh, it's an it's elevator that goes diagonally down I, the, from Half Life. Yeah. <laughs> it was super weird, and it was just the the, the <laughs> amount that they saturate you with this word was was just crazy. That sounds me like up. that sounds like something that would be in a design document early on, <laughs> right. and then just be taken yeah. literally from that day exactly, forward. Right. Every artist for the remaining like, year, make, yeah. a sign, make a sign for the funicular. Yeah, yeah so oh, I've okay. got a model yeah, of funicular. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and everybody on the dev team learns what it is. You know, at like yeah, the first time an artist gets handed that word, you know, it's like what a what. What? And it's like, oh, it's this thing, you know. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll just every- make a sign. I'll just make a sign pointing for that. Yeah, so, okay, and then cool. everybody knows what it is within the yeah, yeah. within that team. Well, they give it to voice actors yeah. and like, I mean, yeah. it's just everywhere it, for like yeah. five yeah. minutes. Yeah, and then like, somebody, oh, yeah, it ripples outward. So one guy, yeah, one one level designer looking at Wikipedia once upon a time, eighteen What's months before a video game killer. is finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially because in a game like Deus Ex Three, or you know, I mean, any Deus Ex game, I suppose, you spend so long not going forward in a given area because you're, you know, you're like... Because you're distracted by all the funicular signs. Because <laughs> well, you have blockages. Because you're, you're, yeah, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're peeking around corners, enemies are on patrol, you're, you know, you're you're evaluating carefully. Well, at least the way I played. I, I played non-lethal playthrough, and so, you know, I, it, I progressed relatively slowly through the actual spaces of the game. And so I spent just ages in that one hallway where just everywhere I looked was just funicular with arrows pointing pointing forward and around. <laughs> so anyway, so you came to the funicular in Black Mesa Source. Oh, sorry. That was that was the end of my story though. Just like going through this weird <laughs> collection of co- corridors that felt completely and then you unfamiliar end up to me. Yeah, as someone who's played the Half-Life 1 single player campaign mm-hmm. a number of times cuz I really am a sucker <clears throat> for that game. Mm-hmm. But then I said, "Oh, hey, I'm here at the funicular." Weird. I don't remember that. Only you didn't say that because you didn't know that no. word until now. But the the I don't remember there being a funicular here before. I thought there was just kind of an elevator that, that went kind of down goes and diagonally yeah. down. Yeah, it's, huh? I guess they decided to replace that with a funicular. I keep feeling the urge to be really critical of Black Mesa Source. Yeah, you seemed a little snippy about it today. But it's it's tough because I feel like you can you can be critical of Black Mesa Source if you want, but at the same time. You have to basically think about it as it's fan art at 30 frames a second. And like, okay, people just made this because they like it. Right. So like – and at this, like, I can't deny that when I was in the test chamber and you look up and you see like what is my favorite and like the most iconic image of Half-Life 1, which is that crazy fucking machine with you alone in the room with a little shopping cart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. But like they clearly spend a lot of time on that. Like it's tonally like perfect. They oh, hit really? the yeah, art cool. just great. And I was like F5, 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 F5. Like I yeah. dorkily just took a thousand <laughs> screenshots of that sequence. And, and, the like, sound yes. you were, and the sound you were hearing was the Half-Life 1 UE noise, which is what plays yep. in Steam when you take a screenshot. Yes. <laughs> um, but were they the, waiting, were they waiting so good. for you in the test yeah. chamber, Gordon? I mean, there's, they, chamber. They, 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 for you they have the a lot of chamber. details, which are really chamber. nice. Like, they have a bazillion unique scientist meshes, and all the characters mm-hmm. are voiced. They wrote, like, four times more dialogue than the original oh, game crazy. has, which is very hit or miss. But when it hits, mm. it's really good. Like, one, when I first got there, the security guard looked at me and said... Uh, he said, "Oh, you cut the ponytail, you fucking sellout, or something like that." Like, <laughs> whoa! Like, that's, that's such a good backstory that Gordon Freeman was just dorkier three yeah. years ago, and then finally snipped off the ponytail, right. like a security guard, and he had this solidarity going on. That's oh, hilarious. Like, that line was like, "Okay, good. That's good. Yeah, work. that is. Yeah, that's pretty. That's, wow. that's legit." But there are some that are really bad, and they I'm occasionally sure. try to force like Half Life Two continuity and where oh, characters drop names yeah, and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Um, are there bringing so, pictures everywhere? No, but the, the, the most indicative thing of what is great and what is bad is that it still has that hideous 
crate to crate uh, on the cranes jumping puzzle. Oh, that yeah, mm-hmm. it, like and it's at a level transition, right? Yeah, but at the same so at the same to, time, oh, God, oh it's yeah, not at a level works. transition anymore, which is good. <laughs> yeah, um, it looks far nicer, which is good. It's got you know just really good, but it's probably physics, space. right? That's what's hilarious about That's it. That's bad news. It's, it, it's really limited. It's aesthetic only. They made good choices, but I, yeah. I was like, okay, I've got these huge boxes. This is what I. This is what I've been. This is like the, the <laughs> test case for this stupid mod. Jump on the edge of it. Creak slowly to the left. Yes. Jump off it. Turn around. See it swing back and forth, and go. Hooray! You put Havix physics into that stupid yeah. crane puzzle. <laughs> yeah. You did exactly what you set out to do, and for that, fourteen years later, <laughs> yep. those things freaking swing. They should have always swung. Yeah, <laughs> they they would have swung, but you wouldn't have liked it because it would have been oh, half horrible. Well, it would have done me half yeah. gold source engine. gold source yeah. engine BSP <laughs> rotating, not quite about its origin, and probably jibbing you a million times before <laughs> yeah. you successfully completed yeah. that sequence. The source engine still does that. Whenever any platform moves too quickly in the source engine, especially in you multiplayer, jib. it just your guy starts going ape shit and physics start going bananas. Yeah. Oh yeah, but that's it's it's yeah. Black Mesa still being quaint because it's based on 2004 stuff is hilarious. Where I'm like, oh, this is so much better than Half Life One, and then I pick up an oil drum and it goes, it like bounces off three thousand things. Oh, oh yeah, and it just goes flying off into space at a million miles an hour. I go, Please oh, tell but me you're still old. <laughs> Please tell me that you can walk up to uh, walk up to something like be it a corpse or a crate or something, and if you get it just right, like, and you start swinging the crowbar, you get like that Aphex Twin like type thing, and then it just like and then it just like speed damages the whole thing. No, are you familiar with this? Yes. If you go back and play Half-Life 1, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, this doesn't do that, but... Oh, I wanted that to be lovingly recreated somehow. No, they replaced it with Iron Sights. (laughs) Um, It's a weird experience, but it's pretty good. Anyway, I played Black Mesa Source. Mm. (laughs) It reminded me how much I really, really, really like the Half-Life games, though, for all of their, like... For all that someone can poop on them for being... You're walking down a corridor and interesting things happen... They're really good. Yeah, yeah Half Life One is yeah, Half-Life just One is so such a distillation of that. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about Black Mesa Source is, do they try to uh, change? Do they do anything with the dynamic? Because in Half Life One, uh, all the scientists that you meet are like one of four archetypes, and as best I can tell, like they basically are treated as kind of the same. Like each instance of like the bald guy with glasses. Who, who I guess became Doctor Kleiner. The, the scientists, you know, like they the gave all of become, those guys. They you become know. classes basically, where there's like, well, yeah, there's like bald glasses scientists, but they have like eight variations or ten variations of that guy. Or there's oh, like black really? guy scientist or like pudgy That's, scientist. So they did multiple like texture and mesh variations of those. There's guys? a ton, They all. There's like there's. It seems like there's. You walk around. And you're like, oh, I remember where there was a bald glasses guy here, and there still is. But he turns around and he's like, I'm different than the Doctor Kleiner model. <laughs> so, but yeah, there's really That's okay. The that was one that of the I new got. lines they wrote. Yeah, it was not as I'm good. different. Um, I'm different from and, the Dr. Kleiner model. And they also kept, fortunately, the ability to just blow everyone away, uh, which is... Yes. Oh, you'd have to. Well, Half-Life 2 yeah. didn't, which was really sure. annoying. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, everybody's like but invisible bullet yeah, vaporizers. The, the yeah. first time a guard ran up to me, I was like, hey, guard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, oh, right. One. Oh, right. Half-Life 1, yeah. <laughs> oh, In the yeah, 90s. You're dead, uh... you're dead now. I shot your face. <laughs> but, the, but the reason they... I mean, I think one of the main reasons they, they, they can do that in Half-Life 1 is because there's never... Like there are, you don't, you're not constantly running into characters and have like one who have to open doors for you and shit like that. That Whereas, happens. They put a ton of that in at the very beginning. Obviously, it's before you have a weapon. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Right, right. And then there are some like you know when you get into the lambda complex and stuff like that. There's like and there are places where you can fail the mission. Obviously, you know there's places in both Half Life yeah. games where you can just fail because you decided to pop a scientist or something. Um, you can't do that in Half Life too. But in in the first Half Life, yeah, there's scientists who do have to. Open oh right. Doors yeah. For yeah. You, you can't can pop. That's true. People, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. But yeah. you can like ditch your dune buggy off of, off the cliff and stuff, and it'll yeah. give you. 
like a fish and mailed screen. Um, yeah, but like that was what like when Half Life Two came out, or maybe just like before it came out when the press was happening and stuff. I it was weird looking at you know the like the 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 more or less final game footage of Eli and uh, and Doctor Kleiner because it was like. This is weird because I saw like a billion of you guys, and I saw like at least right. a, at least like a half dozen of you guys die, of you specifically, Doctor Kleiner, die in Half Life One. But now you're saying, yeah, I don't know. You're kind of like giving Pinocchio a oh, soul well, or something. Cascade. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. one thing that I, I found, I think, from the Idle Forums thread is the Source Engine has, I guess, far better AI pathfinding and persistence, which means that in the missions where you can get Barneys and scientists to follow you, <laughs> Black Mesa just ends up you don't drop those guys as quick because <laughs> because the they can oh, they wow. can make it around corners and upstairs. So those pictures on the Adelphums forums of these guys who just have like an army, army of twenty five scientists and security guards following like, oh, just, like shooting like... guys, opening doors everywhere, like, oh yes, yes, Gordon, 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 yeah. Gordon, 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 Gordon. Yeah. So like that happens. That's somewhat right. useful because they'll heal awesome. you, you know? Yeah, and, but uh, just like yeah. In that version of of Half Life One, Gordon Freeman is actually just like, like Martin, leading an like, army of scientists. Like a, yeah, a, yeah. Uh, right. It's the yeah. aesthetic that Half Life Two pretended to have—that you were this resistance, right? Leader, yeah, like leading, leading an entire city uprising. God. You know, if you could get through Half Life One, like I think those guys can't climb ladders. Yeah, uh, there's and plenty they can't of places where vents, you would. But it would be yeah. fantastic if there was a way to just lead a hundred of those guys up to <laughs> when the military shows up. So oh, then Gordon man. just rolls behind a crate, and they all just. <laughs> <laughs> They're just gone. I thought you were going to say until, yeah, you leave no, them until all you the- ragdoll a hundred of those guys. Just the elite, crazy, like, <laughs> guys come out from behind a wall. Oh, that'd be the most amazing. Just See, I thought you were going to say, like, lead them all the way up until, like, through the portal to Zen, and then they all get whacked by the testicle rhino or no, or, by the, just- or by the brain fetus baby or no, whatever. You know, Gordon, Gordon leading these that's guys to, to freedom, and then them just getting yeah. wrecked. Yeah, by yeah, yeah. And they all, all at once, they all say, don't shoot, I'm with the science team. Yeah, because there is, like, there, yeah, yeah, there's cutscene science who says yeah. that and then just gets blown away immediately. Yeah, and you can't save um, him. But the, it's fate. I think you were there, Chris, and this is just apparently the Half-Life segment, but we... I was... Oh, you weren't there. I was watching Sean play through Half-Life 2 for the first time on uh, Orange Box on his Xbox because he had mm-hmm. never played Half-Life 2. And it sort of freaked me out. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but like when Half-Life so. 2 came out... Okay, sorry, backing up. When Half-Life 1 came out, uh-huh. it got some crap for being... A well-decorated corridor. Right. When Half-Life 2 came yeah. out, everyone's like, this is nothing like Half-Life 1, which was a non-linear first-person narrative experience. <laughs> yeah. Half-Life 2 is just a crazy corridor right. that you walk through. And then Portal 2 came out, and it's like, this is just a corridor that you walk down. <laughs> but like, And I was like, oh, yeah, I like Half-Life 2. But then I watched Sean playing Half-Life 2, and I was like, whoa, you can go all over the place oh, in this I know, game. I know. There's so, yeah. many, there's so much yeah, stuff yeah. you could do. It's yeah. so open. Yeah, it yeah. Is. But, like, but it's... When Half-Life 2 came out relative to what had come before, it felt like an extremely linear right. experience. So we're all so we're all frogs in but, water yeah, that's what regarding, I, that's, regarding yeah, that's, linearity. That's the feeling that I've got is the, the yeah. Valve single-player yeah. campaign frog in water situation. I mean, I feel like Portal 2 was the first time that I really felt it and it actually annoyed me, but I, I understood the complaints Portal in Half-Life 2? 2. Yeah, Portal oh, 2. Oh, for sure. Portal 2, definitely. Like, Half-Life 2, I sort of was like, yeah, this feels a little more clamped down than Half-Life 1, well, but, it was, it, but like, it was internally it, though, consistent. A lot of it, though, has to do entire yeah, internal consistency, exactly. Um, because Portal 1 is super linear as well, but it doesn't... Portal 2 tries to present the illusion that it's a much more sprawling game. Yep. And similarly, Half-Life 2 
I mean, as far as I remember, and I could be wrong with this, but I feel like Half-Life 2 is more open than Half-Life 1 is, at least in terms of the physical spaces you explore. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, 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 in like many places. You go is, outside. You know, there's no, there's like, nothing yeah. analogous to the cliff sections, and even, even, yeah. the, even, the, even the airboat sections or something, which did just have but there's, physically there's, more open there's spaces. There's no actual nonlinearity in terms of anything you ever do. Well, Half-Life 2 is, is, not, is less afraid than Half-Life 1 just due to the fact that they had the tech to put you in an occasional sort of arena bubble, like where right, you're on a lake right. with the hovercraft or you're right. in yeah. an open but area. The, but, but the reason I think that it feels more restricted to people is because, again, the promise of being outside in this big yep. world yeah. suggests a lot yeah, more yeah. than what the actual freedom you have yeah, as a player yeah. is. Half-Life 2's gates also, like its narrative gates, felt oh, a lot more so obvious. Much more where suddenly Alex yeah. Vance would be like, let me just yep. turn on this blue forest field in front of you and behind you. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and then yeah, look at yeah. you for ten minutes. And whereas, press this button for you, which you can't do. Yeah. Like, I mean, just shit like that. Whereas yeah. Portal's linearity doesn't really great because you're in exactly you're, you're a it's totally a liter- you know, yeah you're a lab rat. So yep. you know, Portal yeah. one specifically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Portal two, yeah, Portal two did that thing where it would give you, it would it, show you three hundred miles of underground caverns that are amazing, and then say, now shoot that white square <laughs> up in the corner, shoot that like, pixel there. Yeah. What? Yeah. <gasps> The rest that just, game was still gorgeous looking, though. Oh, it was. It was beautiful. Definitely. But, but there were a lot of, yeah, it was but, frustrating yeah. in some respects. Half-Life 1 felt to me more than Half-Life 2. Like, it had just, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess in the sense that the ways in which areas of Half-Life 1 allowed any degree of player exploration, they were more akin to what you would experience in that place right like yeah. corridors and rooms and things like yeah that is mapped more realistically to what it's depicting than the kind of fake vistas of half-life 2. yeah 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 half-life one and portal one both have that in common and that they chose yeah, yeah. they chose an environment that they, that they knew that, that they could Weird, su- they chose they could support which are actually narratively uh like fraternal Right. Deep, deep underground yeah, science true. facilities <laughs> where you're top trapped, secret. trapped inside. Yeah. They're, in yeah. fact, competing businesses in the narrative of yeah, those yeah. two games. <laughs> and you do have a computer voice talking to you yeah. off and on through a lot of Half-Life 1 in the form of, like, the, the military PA and stuff. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. no, yeah. Good, good, well, I mean, good yeah, edge metaphors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. Games. What did Half-Life 1 do really well? Portal 1 will do that. What did Half-Life 2 kind of struggle with? Portal 2 will do that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, what will Valve never do anymore? Make single player games. Oh, Ooh. maybe they will. Maybe they will. They're probably making single player Yeah, games. it's After someone that. else. There's someone else pointed out about Black Mesa, which is weird. And I guess Valve just doesn't give a crap because they've left this thing in development for a million years. That Half Life 1 is, for all intents and purposes, for most people, a free game now. Because oh, they've given it away so many times. No, because I mean, Black Mesa is a free mod. Oh, well, I, see I mean, like oh, for huh. people for for people who are not persnickety about the fact that they're going to be playing a like. 80 to 90 percent accurate fan conversion that uses better graphics than the 1998 one who would own a copy of half-life 2 to play black mesa though and not no you don't need to own it at all it it's oh really they they stand alone they they used all unique assets so that all you need is the free source sdk which their installer then drops you onto the source sdk install page on steam so you download black mesa source and then run the SDK installer, which gives you the core source engine assets yeah. that are free to all Steam yeah, yeah, customers. Yeah, yeah. And then it just yeah. sits as a mod. Uh, it's like a mod of the source SDK. I feel like Whoa, it would crazy. be a shame for that to be the first way you played Half-Life, though. Right. But you know that now Black Mesa Source is going to be recommended by a ton of people as 
Don't sure. bother with Half-Life 1. Yeah, Play Black right, Mesa Source because yeah, yeah. the graphics are better. Yeah. It's got physics. Yeah. Like, it ties into the continuity. Like, like when whatever. Episode 3 is announced and people are like, oh, I've never played this. I, I want right. to catch up your, on Half-Life. Your starter guide to the Half-Life They're universe gonna be pointed will probably at Black Mesa tell Source. you, if you're a purist, play the original Half-Life, which is available for $10. But if you yeah, want... If a normal person, just play Black play Mesa. Play Black Mesa. It's $10 and it's got better graphics. You want better graphics, right? Yeah, but like, meh. It's weird. It is weird to think about. Yeah. I mean, also, though, Valve gives away the Half-Life so frequently. Yeah. It's hilarious how, how it, easy it is to get a copy of that game. Yes. Although, yeah, it's I think that's less the case now that they don't really push the orange box as a thing anymore. That's true, yeah. Half-Life is not a series that gets a lot of no. attention. It's back catalog. You guys want should, to take a break? Yeah, we should take a break. Video games! I think with the Wii U, you're not going to need a control scheme. Oh, it goes because your brain, maybe? you are the controller or your brain is... Oh, no, you're thinking of Connect Party by Double Fine. I, I can't <laughs> talk about whether or not you're the controller. That's the big story reveal. Gah. You've been the controller the whole time. You were the controller the whole time. <laughs> you, mo- comma, you monster. God, that's the worst twist of a Connect game is that it then zooms out <laughs> to, to show, show your horrible ass living room. Well, just show, oh, yeah. a video of you flailing well, around. Your, your body then slowly sort of dissolves yeah. into your controlling the analog sticks and face buttons <laughs> of someone else who's playing a core oh, game. There you go. Well, uh, see, yeah, the nature of that project is that we could pitch people on activities for, you know, if we do another one, then it'll just be like, oh, yeah. That, that'd oh, I'm not talking activity. about Connect Party. I'm we can hack that up when when people. He's talking get, about a fig, like a potential. I'm talking about like the Connect the game. Connect Assassin's Creed spinoff. Yeah, right. like that. Okay, it is just go, like yeah. yeah, yeah. You're you're just interfacing with you some different. with some just events on screen that seem very core game focused, and you're amazed. You, that, you mean an Animus? No, I don't mean an no. Animus. He means like you, the player. <laughs> I mean like yeah, you, the player, move, right, and then know, actual yeah. core but game no, but, type mechanics occur on the screen, and then the camera zooms out, and the twist is that you were you were playing as a traditional game controller. Yeah, but conceptually, you you're yeah, you're just in another Animus, right? No, you no. keep trying to force the Animus. The Animus is this. your freaking Xbox or something, right? No, you stop. Not everything's about the Animus, JP. <laughs> okay, all right. I know that your only other episode was interface <laughs> with the Animus. Are JP's levels good? Oh, I was <laughs> oh, because aphasia. JP is a level designer. I was the I video was like, game levels that I create. What are you talking about? Like, are they you talking about the cave? Or oh, you talking about um, so Chris a joke about the labyrinth video game? Like, what? I was like, what is? Jake, <laughs> I was joking about Lucasfilm games. If you want to make jokes labyrinth. about the labyrinth video game, then yeah. <laughs> like, I was, I said, I was seriously completely stopped cold in my mental tracks. Oh, I was. It was just an aside to you, even though I know JP is well within earshot. Are his levels good? <laughs> I did come with sixty uh, with sixty solid minutes of material about the labyrinth Commodore sixty four game. So well, that's true. Whether or not you had prepared it, so. <laughs> and by prepared, I just meant I lived the life that I have lived up up until this right. this present yeah, moment exactly. on this planet. Yes. Uh, so I'm prepared to talk about Lucasfilm's Labyrinth. PC novice. Well, they knew their yeah. The, the, refer that to that guy as PC right. novice. <laughs> How much RAM? Yeah, PC novice yeah, yeah, the Windows 8 design team. But what are PC novices going to make of this? And then they turn to that guy, and he's behind one-way glass, Mine. going boom. <laughs> the entire time, yeah, yeah. He's asking. If, if Windows 8 comes out and it is indeed a gigantic flop, what then, is Windows? Then, then that How needs do to I become install the, and use the unofficial <laughs> drivers software packages drivers. Hardware drivers. Auto exec dot bat. Config dot sys. IRQ number. Hi mem. Hi mem. Hi mem. MSC dex dot exe. 
Oh, yeah. Is there a CDX to DXE? That's, yeah, it is. It's your CD-ROM driver. Oh, yeah. I thought it was some sort of For most of them. Or, or no, other. It's executable. No, it's what you because uh, because usually the, the I thought it was I thought it was a dot com if if uh, maybe it was a dot com it was still an executable of some kind I don't think it was a dot exe there are very few no. exes that Ooh. then launched services no it, like coms. dot coms were, were usually phased out because they were like I don't know it was a weird distinction like, they were usually just written they were like a lot of time in early days they were just referred to DOS executables that were yeah they were done entirely in assembly um, but that's sort of meaningless like you don't know what to do sorry back I guess we're back sweet I heard. <laughs> yeah, Jake I heard, heard something. I heard you were playing some uh, some sort of hexagonal touch game. Oh yeah, well, I heard you were. That's why I played it. <laughs> yeah, I was playing it. Stuff will rot your brain. Super hexagon or telephones? Telephony will rot your brain. Uh, playing super hexagon on a telephone will That's rot true. your brain at double mm-hmm. the rate, probably. So then, like I don't know, a couple weeks later, I guess that was a couple weeks ago. A few days ago, I bought super hexagon. Uh, it had been rotting in your brain, iPad. and then it rotted into a well, shape I forgot. of I, Super Hexagon. I just hexagon. forgot about it, because I had not heard of it when you were playing it. You said Super Hexagon, and I said, oh, I guess there's a game called that. And then I just didn't pay any attention to it. And then, I don't know, a while later, I saw, just over the course of a couple of weeks, I think I just my brain absorbed a couple mentions on Twitter or whatever of the existence of Super Hexagon. Um, and so I bought it and downloaded it. And I have really mixed feelings about it. Um, yep. How is it on the iPad compared to It's other fucking places? intense. It's, it's is that just art? because the size of the image yeah, is bigger? It's so so. Super Hexagon is a game in which there is, unsurprisingly, at the center of the screen, constantly a kind of pulsing hexagon. And when you tap the left or the right hand side of the screen, what you're doing is you're rotating a triangle, either clockwise or counterclockwise, depending on which side of the screen you're tapping, around the circumference of, or you know, around the, the perimeter of this hexagon, and then kind of like Tempest. There are uh, shapes constantly converging in on your hexagon, and you need to rotate. And the, they have gaps in between them, and you have to rotate your uh, your little right, triangle so like, around yeah. constantly, so you're and not, just not hitting, touch the edges. Yeah, yeah so it's essentially a maze that's just constantly yeah, flying like, at you. In the easier beginning levels, it'll just be like a line coming in from the left and the right side of the screen. So you have to keep the triangle towards the top or the bottom. But then, but then lines will and, come in from and, the top or the bottom. And, so by easier, 90 degrees. and by easier, you mean like the first 30 seconds. Yes. Because lasting for 30 seconds is like, oh, wow, I'm doing pretty good here. Yeah, yeah it's hard. Um, yeah. And, and once you survive for uh, – once you, once you uh, rack up a 60-second run, you then unlock the next harder mode. And then in that mode, once you manage to survive for 60 seconds, you unlock the next one. And I think I've unlocked – five out of six of like the base ones i don't know mm. if there's like secret ones after that i only but. ever got to the second one and then i was too bad at the game i'm it's, not good at super hexagon <laughs> it's hard it's intense um and so i played it for a while you know when i got it and uh i don't know what's weird is that i it feels like i've played a bunch of it but in reality i probably haven't even played it for an hour right just because it's, yeah. it's crazy well that game is just You'll play, the speed at which it occurs exactly. makes it feel really dense yeah it's yeah. like actually an approximation of bullet time in a way that no actual video game about or containing bullet time right. as a mechanic. Your brain just has to operate at such a high speed be. that your perception yeah. of time like yeah. is I'll altered. Play a yeah. game, I'll play a game where I die in four seconds, and I would have sworn to you I would I had been playing for twenty seconds. You know, I mean, which doesn't yep. it sounds stupid to yeah. say, but I mean, no, you, yeah, you time, feel yeah. you perceive time on such a granular, compressed level that it feels or like expand. I don't even know what the right word is for this, but like 
so the amount of just details per second time dilation. Of, yeah. Yeah. You have to process so much information in a given fraction of a second uh, that you, you really can seemingly operate on a higher time scale than you typically can just in your life under normal circumstances and certainly compared to most video games that I play. Especially because I, I don't really play tons of incredibly reflex-based stuff. Like super Twitch arcade yeah, stuff. I don't, yeah, I don't have a background of that. Like, it's But even for people who do, often. this game is one that people keep talking about as... It's boiled down to nothing but yeah, that. Yeah, it's, much, it's much yeah. pure because well, and, it's yeah because there's there's two inputs and no shooting and so you're not even right. like you're not even making those advanced those kind of advanced spatial calculations. Mm-hmm. You're just yeah. Although you are making a lot of spatial calculations. Uh, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, because, but you don't I mean, have to worry about dodge to, not, and shoot. But they're not basically. second order. They're like this avatar centric, and I think because you're and your focus of attention can kind of like shrink down to this tiny little white point, mm-hmm. you know. And that, I, I think that's those are those those are the kinds of things that contribute to it feeling a lot more intense than even like a good you know flow friendly shooter like tempest or or yeah. space giraffe which well and i guess know. similar to space giraffe although not not nearly as intense uh, as space, space features prominently <laughs> in, uh, no. um, one of the things that really struck me about about super hexagon is how uh the, the one element of it that isn't just totally pure in terms of just the mechanics that it that it employs is the style that's applied to it, which is this crazy, just erratic, um, just high like contrast, like neon color, and, yeah, and and rotate like sporadic rotation and all this, all this shit that feels like just incredibly modern, like Enter the Void style. Just I know I like that. Know. It's just it, it's also what someone like a production designer of a film yeah, in the nineties exactly. wishes they could, this is the game that they could have their kid in the exactly. future of the nineties right, right. playing. Like <laughs> what are games going to look like in 2012? <laughs> <laughs> Super hexagon. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. But what's, what's interesting, what was interesting about it to me was that I find that style of thing generally fairly loathsome in like a film or in like a, just a thing that I watch. I, I just don't, I find that's just but the that kind of overstimulation. Of, the void, you've got to like. No, no, that's 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 cool because it is purely um, uh, like ab- it's all typographical and yeah. abstract, right? Like dressing up like a live action film with that shit, I generally find really stupid, or right. like a music video or whatever. But um, this I found really interesting because it was actually the game because there is so just zero margin for error when you're playing this game, especially as you get into the higher difficulty modes. Um, that aesthetic actually becomes part of the gameplay in a way that that you could just never that would be so would be impossible um, in a game like uh, it's a silly comparison but like Max Payne three or something which uses a lot of weird kind of nineties era like VHS artifacts and shit in this the visual style of the game it's not the same style that well, Super Exxon uses but it's a similar kind of stylized hyper noise kind of thing that it applies a lot of but a no lot of sort of purpose. retro throwbacky stuff does that kind of thing i mean like the bit trip games are all about throwing crazy colors and visuals in your face but super hexagon it actually felt like way more like yeah, a deliberate it, choice that actually has a function well, in, it was in, part in of the information beat, design yeah, in bit trip beat i feel like it's just it's an aesthetic thing in primarily in super hexagon i feel like okay so a lot of when you see a movie that is like a hilarious 90s cyber rave or something, mm-hmm. a lot of the, the – what the filmmaker is trying to communicate to you with that visual design is something kind of nightmarish. Like usually if it's a shitty like CSI show or something, when they when they show that to you, what they're trying to do is alienate it from you. Like right. you've got yeah. your hard – you've got your hard ass like 50-something cop and then he goes into this bullshit place <laughs> that is entirely intended to be alienating and like vapid looking. Every You know, right. it's – 
all of those lights and flashing bullshit are designed to put you off. Whereas in Super Hexagon, they're designed to actually assault you directly as part of the thing you're doing, not to distance it yeah, from you. Right. you have you're to one of the people dancing at the rave. Yeah. Your, your brain it's in fact has to stare literally into the heart of it at exactly, all times, otherwise right. you can't play. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's and you can't lose yourself in it like you would in a rave or something. You have to remain completely present and completely on just on your fucking game, right? Like, and that was a that led to another interesting observation I had about this game, which is that if you are the slightest bit drunk, this game is impossible. Like, it is impossible because again, what the the actual so like, super hexagon is the new drunk test. Yeah, I mean, like in an, in an intense way because again, the the kind of real world thing that this is borrow that this is like sharing an aesthetic with. In the real world version of this, you are like just getting lost in yourself or like substances or whatever. Like you, you know, that's totally in the spirit of the thing. Whereas in this game, you're just fucked. Like you can't do anything. Like I got home one night and like I was, I don't know why I loaded up Super Hexagon of all things, but like I was not drunk. You know what I mean? Like I had a couple, I had like three drinks. Right. Maybe I was like completely able to like carry on a conversation completely fine. Right. It was not. And I felt, I seriously felt as if I had just been drinking the whole night and was stumbling over everywhere and like throwing <laughs> up in the bathroom. Like that's what it felt like when I was trying to play, when I was trying to play Super Hexagon. I just felt like an idiot. Like it remi- <laughs> it's like sometimes when I, when I have, um, uh, you know, a little bit too much to drink, I start doing like math problems in my head to sort of convince myself that I still right. have like all my faculties to bear. <laughs> like, and, and, and the, the, the moments where I go too overboard are the moments when I just start declaring things like I can still do math without any prompt, you know, without any prompting at all. <laughs> it's like a stand in like, for, yeah. Yeah. What, what it's, yeah. yeah. But the you point, the, on the, unit the point test. at which when I say the point at which I say that is the point at which it is a, a complete lie. Right, like if you if you get to right. the point where you're just saying, declaring that to people, um, <laughs> no, I can still do math. And, I know and, all about math. Right, exactly. But, but then when you try, reveals that a couple math and I are old have friends. Already exactly, screwed you. it makes me yeah. feel like I'm at that point when right. I'm not even yeah. close yeah. to yeah. it. And but, it was actually it was very disconcerting to me, and I had to just stop playing and go to bed. <laughs> like even though it was like 10 p.m., it was I actually, ridiculous. I actually <laughs> like that a lot because, uh, it, and this is just actual like goofy social activism but i feel like there are people who eye roll at the notion of a couple drinks you shouldn't get in a car right oh like, exactly that's okay, what yeah. i was thinking get eight hours this. of sleep yeah like do some physical activity and then fully sober and well-fed play super hexagon for 40 minutes right then drink two beers <laughs> and play super hexagon again yeah. yeah and then think about getting in a car like yeah. uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. That's crazy. That, that, exactly, right. That's exactly – I thought about that exact thing that night and it freaked me out. I mean I don't I, I don't ever drive in that circumstance. Right, but anyway, it, is, it makes you think about like, where you think you are mentally yeah, versus exactly. yeah. a, you can, now well, a robot you can, connected yeah. to your hands you're, reveals through video game. Yep. Your, your gamified drinking. Gamified drunk driving. <laughs> oh, super <gross>. hexagon. <laughs> no, it's kind of the opposite, right? It's gamified – with super gamified, hexagon. Gamified not drunk driving. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. It, it – if you gamify earned, safety. If you earned a badge, your moment of clarity. If you earned a badge <laughs> for losing and then and then admitting that you were drunk, that would yes. be gamify. Uh, yeah, never mind. Yeah. Anyway, it's never uttered these words again. 
So anyway, that's what I learned from Super Hexagon. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> don't yeah. listen to your own brain. Well, and also yeah. time dilation is really freaky in games yeah. that are that are really intensely yeah, resource-based, yeah, yeah. uh, 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 reflex-based. And it sounds like the common thread there is just that your own perceptions of, like, you know, your brain paying attention to itself is something that games can mutate really dramatically, and that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know. They're just, yeah. It's interesting, and it's also slightly terrifying. Something. You said you had some yeah. issue with it as well? I, I think it was wrapped up. Into, it was just, I don't know. Part of it was also just that I would play it, and then I would play it for a while. And then, oh, so all of that stuff that I talked about was actually fairly interesting to me to think about. But, like... I don't use. I don't often play a game like Super Hexagon, which is which is explicitly yeah. just kind of an activity to just kill some time. Like I'm not gonna get anything out of that, right? Most of the time, and you know, um, just past a certain point, like you kind of get right. diminishing returns and like how many interesting things Super Hexagon's gonna make you think. So about. you're saying play Super Hexagon for you to think about time dilation and a few <laughs> sort of weird reflex things, then maybe have a couple drinks, play it again to sort of think about. Uh, the effects of alcohol in the human body, and then maybe you've gotten all that Super Hexagon has to offer. Well, because right, be- well, I mean, because seriously though, because after I stopped having any more interesting things to think about when play- playing Super Hexagon, I realized just the in the moment of playing Super Hexagon, it was still fun enough that I could see myself just playing this game indefinitely for just additional hours and hours and hours and hours and hours right. in my life, and like that's kind of what most mobile games are designed to be and do and social games as well and it just i i find it just really i find it kind of distressing or like just a little off-putting personally because i realize that it sort of sets off an internal alarm that like danger you're doing a thing you might not be aware that you're doing yeah you're you're basically doing it you're basically narcotizing yourself yeah um even though like i i don't think that that you know that that's something that hexagon really sets out to do other than just to create a i don't know like the the boundary so yeah clearly there's there's games that are just kind of there to just sort of bathe your brain in in dopamine and stuff like that but like where do you draw the line because i i I was thinking about this recently uh i played the like uh Ed Key released a new uh, beta build of Proteus. Mm, yeah. um, and I was playing that and I was like, you know, Proteus, like I've gone back to that game multiple times, you mm-hmm. know, just like the various versions of it that I've played. Um, and like playing that really does feel like an activity, you know, like particularly like, you know, night. I often play it at night when I'm just kind of like relaxing and alone and just kind of, I don't know, just it's so I, so, but well, so it really, it, is, it feels a lot more like an activity than like experiencing an, a, a, a narrative or anything like that to me. I only, um, and yet like it, it, I, I get something so completely different out of it than I get from like playing something like super hexagon or doom or something like that. That is, does Proteus have an active objective or advancement in it at this point? Cause I played it when it was in the no. IGF and it was like, you sort of would find things that would make a thing happen. Yeah. But like there was no, there was no sense of like Proteus, Proteus isn't trying to feed you to progress forward for the sake of progressing forward. No, right, d- definitely right. not. Uh, it, it does have seasons. Uh, I, I don't want to like spoil. I don't know. It has an but ending, but ambience. it's sort of that's, difficult. I mean, that's yeah. It has seasons, so it does have a progression. I, I would say it's very much. It's 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 much more like a piece of music in that it has like a progression structure, mm-hmm. but it doesn't just you know. It's not like oh, I'm I'm really working hard to get to the to the fourth movement of Mahler's first symphony or something. Proteus you know, it's to more me, just, I, like I played when I I got the IGF build of that game, and there were a few weeks where. I would just like every every couple of days just yeah come home and yeah. wander around in there for an hour but to me it was it was like the same sort of reasons that I would wander around a Minecraft world when I didn't feel like building something I mean Proteus was just hmm. but but 
obviously far more like tonally coherent and it, it offered different things but it was just more that game was more about just being inside of a virtual right. space or, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, sound yeah. really pretentious yeah, but like so, we're just we're walking around an art gallery or something yeah, where it's yeah, like absolutely. that's not yeah. like there, the difference is that you know Proteus is not it's not trying to hook you with a loop you know like in the in right. the same explicit yeah. way that the, the, you know the sort of classic 30 seconds of fun yes, thing right. associated with Halo yeah. but like that yeah. you know most games that are just activities are explicitly trying to do that. The loop might be smaller than that, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I, d- I don't think Proteus is really doing that. Same yeah, thing. I, I, I think it has a, I think it has a concept of interaction loops, you know, because like the random world generate things like sure. the random world generation and the music generation and, and all that kind of stuff are very like, they are definitely considering like the moment to moment and the minute to minute and the, you but know, Proteus and, seems like it's just asking you to exist within it. De- definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah. like it's a world that's set up for you to for you to have a nice little meandering journey existing yeah. within it. I, I would and come home from work and just excitedly like chase a frog around <laughs> the field yeah. for a while, and then I'd right, find yeah. a beam of light that made a crazy particle effect happen or something. But yeah. then I would go, "Oh, cool, that happened." Anyway, yeah. I need to go find another frog that I can hop around after. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you got sucked into the loop of finding a frog? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they make five cents. I don't know how, but they make five cents every <laughs> time you chase a frog in that game. They're geniuses. There's a reason that they're millionaires. Sorry. What's the name of the guy who made uh, <laughs> JS Joust? Uh, Doug Wilson? Yeah. Yeah. Doug Wilson had a build of Proteus called, I believe it was called Proteus You Are the Frog. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> it was yeah. a game of Proteus that was played on a trampoline where uh, when you hopped on a yeah. trampoline, Did that you? would, that would equal one frog hop forward awesome. in the game. Yeah. So the frog would be locomoting forward by way of you bouncing on the trampoline. Yeah. Probably, I imagine, since it's that guy with a move controller uh, uh-huh. or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, Proteus, yeah. you are the frog <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's... We uh, we set up at PAX, we had a uh, a game of Joust that took place inside uh, Connect Double Fine Connect Party, which was pretty awesome. <laughs> Like we hosted that will never uh, exist in real life. <laughs> Why not? Uh, play Connect Party with your PlayStation Move controllers. I mean, you can you can set it up yourself, but yeah, that's never a sanctioned uh, event. No, yeah, mean, but, but neither but neither is JS Joust. JS Joust yeah, is yeah, a PS3 game. You know, it's, it's I know just the prospect of mixing a Connect and Move controllers into one game is crazy. To the me. kind of people who are going to who are going to own Move controllers and play JS Joust and stuff are also going to be the kind of people who are like, hey, let's do a weird mashup of experiences where we're we're eating chips and guacamole and playing Connect Party and playing JS Joust while we're and. On ecstasy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I understand how it's it's crazy possible. people. I, like I don't, I I worry. Yeah. If you're wondering, in 1998, Caldera provided a Doctor Fat 32 driver for DR DOS. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Fat 32. Well, it's probably DR that's, Fat 32, but it's uh, basically Doctor Fat. Doc, yeah, I think we all know it's Doctor Fat, Dr. Fat 32. <laughs> God, that's when I get my Doc- when they finally let me uh, MC uh, on PAX Music Night I'll be Dr. Yeah, Fat yeah, 32 yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's God, your dubstep I'll, side project I'll be up there with MC Frontal on the mini bosses fucking Dr. Fat 32 <laughs> yeah uh, with the fat man on the wheels <laughs> I, yeah, when, sorry, when Do- yeah when Dr. Fat 32 and the fat man form a fucking geek music super yeah. group called the fat pack <laughs> no it'll just be called Dr. Fat 32 and or the fat, fat man or fat <laughs> file, called, file allocation it, table. It would probably be called Fat Dot Sis. That's true, JP. <laughs> That's what it would be called. In, include Defunct Dot H. No. <laughs> what are we doing? Reader mail. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A podcast we're supposed to be recording. Mm, oh, Doctor Fat Thirty Two. All right. Let's do some reader mail here. Uh, all right. I don't know if this is a good email. Uh, let's find out. Henry Torres writes, "Hey, Chris, Jake, and Sean. So this is already an inac- inaccurate email. Uh, <laughs> I'll do my best, Sean. Yeah. I recently experienced a very wait. Nice- hold on. What? Did you mean you'll do your best? Were you saying that to Sean? Was that I'll do my best, Sean, or was that you saying you'll do your best, Sean impression? Uh, whichever. Okay. okay. I'll do my best, Sean. Could mean one of two awesome things. Yeah. I, I yeah. first heard it as you addressing Sean. Yeah. yeah. And I heard I heard it as I'll do, I heard it as I'll do my best, Sean. Like you know, impression. My best, yeah. Nixon. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do my best, Nixon, for you. Oh. <laughs> this podcast dedicated to the memory of Richard Nixon. <laughs> Hey, Chris, Jake, and Sean. I recently experienced a 1990s sunglasses indoor video game level, which is actually from Dungeon Fighter Online, of all things. The stage is set in a war-torn Chinese fortress. Throughout it, soldiers are taking slow gunshots at you, with missile launchers hitting fixed location in each arena, the occasional dress-wearing, whip-wielding cartel lady mocking your ability to easily slaughter them, a mini-boss named Hotwire who tries to blow up the mech you're given, the pilot for this stage. Oh, yeah. Another mini-boss is a commando doing flips across the room and dropping grenades, and the final stage boss is a cyborg named Machine Arm Warjack. <laughs> The background music is is flying air guitar rock music. Anyway, I was amused at every level about of this up until about the tenth time in a row I had to play it. Goddamn MMOs! Just felt like sharing with you guys. (laughs) I I was assuming from the get go on this description that you were in a Mac. You know, it was like the Mac that you were given. You know that one. I didn't realize that because he just started saying it was a Chinese fortress, and so it just. I like my initially I was thinking of I was completely not assuming that, and then just more layers kept. I rolled kept with it. piling onto it. it. It retroactively canonized. Was itself, this in yeah. reference to some conversation that we were having? <laughs> no, I think he just was, thought. I, because I like the, I'm pretty stoked by that. I, I like the names, the the, the proper <laughs> yeah, nouns in that. Yeah, can we see yeah. some of those that's again? When it gets, that's when it real. That's when this email gets good. Yeah, <laughs> a mini boss named Hotwire who tries to blow up the mech you've been given to pilot for this stage. Another mini boss is a commando doing flips across the room. <laughs> And the final stage boss is a cyborg named Machine Arm Warjack. So, that's fantastic. So that's that, that, that definitely sounds like a, like a, a style of translation. Uh, so here, here's some JP trivia. Uh, in, in Chinese versions of Doom, the protagonist is, is referred to as Extermination Warrior. <laughs> and that's actually the name of – that's Doom in, in China. So yeah. I, th- uh, I thought you were going to say, oh, that's what Doom means in Chinese. Oh, so BJ Blaskowitz <laughs> is named Extermination Warrior. No, that's Doom. Only- Doom sorry, that's Wolfenstein. Doom is yeah. just Doom Marine. Uh, yes, or Flynn Taggart if you're uh, – depending Wait, really? on how deep into the canon you're going. <laughs> Um, oh, I forget what I forget where Flynn Taggart is. Uh, also, Buddy DeCote in in uh, in you know in pre-release. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a, like yeah, you look up uh, doom.wikia.com <laughs> and look up Doom's protagonist, and you'll find out all about this hilarious. You'll find out all about Extermination but Warrior. The, the, the game that he was describing, except for the part with the mech, basically seems like the aesthetic that God Hand goes out of its way to create, like yeah, aggressively absolutely. at all right. times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. or that yeah. is just yeah. like dueling huge electric guitars while you're fighting a fat cigar smoking guy who laughs at you, but then like does the weird like charge across the room. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, then he shows like, his true form, like ninjas burlesque ladyboy ninjas yeah. are attacking you and stuff. Oh yeah. man, that game is dumb, but is also the goddamn best. Yep, 
Everyone should play God Hand. Yeah, God Hand is cool. <laughs> or play that game this guy's describing. It sounds like it's basically <laughs> yeah, the same game. Like so God Hand it, might be better, is this though. a recent yeah. game? Like this is an, he said it, it was saying like this is an MMO or something? Because yeah, I, I, I imagine the picture it was painting was totally of like a mid nineties. Well, he described two, it as a nineties sunglasses two, game, two point five D shooter maybe, yeah. or just like some weird early three D type well, thing. He described it as a nineteen nineties sunglasses indoor video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah which is basically it's God dungeon, Hand. dungeon Fighter Online is the name of the game mm. that this is. I don't know what that is, nice. but anyway. So DM from the forums writes hello gentlemen hello. i played 30 flights of loving and it was pretty good there's a pull quote from pc gamer on the game's official webpage that praises brendan for figuring out for quote figuring out how to tell linear first person stories better than anyone else end mm. quote and i think it's praise that he deserves however i think it's a slightly silly thing to say because nothing about the story in 30 flights of loving is linear it may in fact be the least linear story i've ever been told in video game form i realize that when people talk about non-linearity in video games they're usually talking about a player's ability to take different branching narratives past or deviate from a predetermined sequence of events. But 30 Flights of Loving is nonlinear the way a movie or book would be nonlinear. In other words, it's told out of sequence, and it's a big part of what makes the experience so interesting. I was wondering if you could recall any other video games that use this kind of nonlinearity. I realize that anything with a flashback is technically nonlinear, but surely there are more interesting examples than that. I think yeah. 30 Flights of Loving is the most probably boiled down aggressive version of that, and I mean, what that guy's talking about it is why that game is clever. I mean, it's, you know, you're playing it linearly, but you're experiencing nonlinear stuff. Well, sure. You're playing it linearly. I mean, I, I think the point he makes is that there was such a thing as nonlinear storytelling before video games even existed. Like, yeah. I think a lot of people were say, oh, they refer to other things as linear media, which is um, as a thing that video games are uh, kind of more – they're – more broadly, yeah, they're, they're, they're the next there are more possibilities of, available to them, just, but like, it's, yeah. yeah, I think we, pr- I wish we, I wish we had a different term for it, I guess, yeah. because, because linearity does already refer to a particular kind of storytelling that video games can or cannot do. And in fact, very few video games tell stories non-linearly, even yeah. if they're branching, e- even though I think they would be perfectly capable. Of no, no, absolutely. Places, you know, I um, think that all, that all just comes down to term terms being lazily distilled yes. that's yeah. why i said i wish we had a different term yeah definitely like uh, and, and even just like but even when people say nonlinear storytelling they're, ref- they're what they're intending to say is nonlinear interactive storytelling or linear interactive storytelling which is different than than linear right. that's why i'm saying i wish we had a different term for it so that we could actually just casually okay. refer to these things in ways that weren't that didn't step on the toes yeah. of another another yeah. thing because because if you because when we are now in a weird situation where you can, you do see a quote like that that refers to to Thirty Flights of Loving as sort of a high point in linear storytelling, and it's in fact the complete opposite of that. But because what we understand in games linearity to mean, it means prescript like uh, deterministic, basically is what right. is what probably we actually should be saying or what we mean when we say linear storytelling in games. Um, whereas actually almost no games often make I mean very few games I think make use of actual nonlinear storytelling in the way that a nonlinear movie or book does. Which is interesting because there's no reason they couldn't, but it's actually incredibly uncommon. Yeah. The yeah. first half hour of Uncharted 2. There's a lot of games. I think it's relatively common. I don't know. Sorry. That's like probably the, yeah, one yeah. of the more expensive games where you're blipping all over the yeah. place in how did time. I, how did I get to this point? Yeah. yeah I like, think I think it's a relatively common structure in games to, to do the, the nonlinear – I'm sorry. The, the frame story. To, yeah. To do the framing story or like the chapter that's out of sequence that, that – but everything else is, is – Right. Well, yeah. 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 I, think, I think like the guy says in the email, sort of – Having an isolated flashback or like a frame story, yeah. I think is is a is a pretty soft example right. of that. But that's yeah. well, I mean, Uncharted Two was notable to me because of the mm-hmm. fact that it was actively cutting back and forth yeah, in time yeah. multiple times, and it eventually had three timelines running concurrently briefly and stuff, mm-hmm. which is 
you know, but at the same time in that game, you are basically running forward and then punching a face every now and then. Right. Um, yeah. Well, right. And in 30 Floods of Loving, you're running forward and not punching is, a face. Yeah. 30 Floods of Loving yeah. is that to the goddamn max. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. It's, when we were talking about it the other day, I mentioned Tribes Vengeance, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, which does have, I, I forget, it's been years since I've played it, but it, it does have, you know, it's a little bit, because it basically has two parallel stories running. One of like a, a woman and then like uh, 20 years in the future, her daughter and them being two completely different people. And just how they got where they where they are and the different kinds of, you know, the different conditions of the world that they live in. You know, it was, yeah, it was basically, you know, a, a former boss of mine just, you know, trying to be a little bit more interesting with the story for a game that, you know, didn't really ask for a, a, a single player storytelling type right. thing. Um, and yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember it being kind of interesting, um, you know, just sort of a weird blip in fly around in jetpacks and shoot, shoot blue discs at people. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of. I feel like other. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Planescape Torment didn't really have. You were just. You were getting. You were getting copious evidence of your past, but you were still. You were still pretty much always in your present. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of examples. No, I wonder. Cool. I wonder if the if the confusion of those terms has maybe even contributed. Probably only very slightly, if so. But I wonder if that has caused in any way a. Lower likelihood of a game designer or writer to to play around with nonlinearity because it's so easy to just say, "Oh, I'm making a nonlinear game," but mean this other thing. Yeah, I know that yeah, it just yeah. you, that yeah. you would, it maybe becomes actually less likely that you'll consider the other original meaning of nonlinearity. In yeah, I, I think it's I think it's I think it's like a word choice that happened early and stuck in ways that make the discussion a lot more thorny and problematic. You know, where yep. people will misunderstand each other. You know, just like English doesn't have words for free as in freedom versus free as in beer. It's like that's just tremendously derailing and annoying. That's um, true. And yeah. yeah, like, I don't know. But yeah, spatially, spatially I, I use spatially linear, spatially nonlinear, even though that's just, you know, I don't know. There's there's ways to talk about it. And, you know, and I guess in in this case, it's like chronologically linear, nonlinear storytelling. I don't know. Right. Use extra words. Less elegant. People know what you're talking about. Uh, so Sam Howitt writes, um, I don't know if we'll have any answers to this at all, but he writes, Hey guys, was wondering what you guys thought about cheat codes and why not so many games use them nowadays. Thanks, Sam Howitt, Middlesbrough, UK. Cheat codes. Why don't games use cheat codes? Yeah. Or maybe they do. I have no idea. Yeah, I actually... I feel like it's not a thing that you hear about ever anymore. I, I, I get people... Like, sometimes when I meet just a random stranger, like I'm sitting next to them on an airplane or something, and I tell them that I design video games, a lot of times they'll ask me about cheat codes. Like, <laughs> when do you put cheat codes in? Or, like, do you know some... I don't know. It's just, like, this thing that people still oh, associate cool. with. Do you know any cheat codes from Halo? Like, well, no, the, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Like, I usually... They usually know what I'm talking about when I explain that, like, well, usually those things are actually, like, developer tools that, you know, help help us test the games and you know while we're playing it and stuff and i don't know yeah <laughs> like i know I, <laughs> like rockstar is still pretty notable for all like all the gta games still have yeah. a hilarious number of weird controller configurations you can press that just make sweet cars drop out of the sky rockstar and stuff games like that are so weird do they really that, do they still even after least, hot coffee i don't think i don't think hot coffee has stopped cars from dropping out of the sky yeah yeah rockstar is hilarious to me in their weird uh, continue, the fact that they continue to kind of clutch these game design and anach- almost anachronisms, the um, like the cheat code th- thing, as you say, and then also uh, all their their weird obsession with 
just completely non-fictionally justified collectibles everywhere. Like we talked about yeah. the gold guns in Max Payne 3, but like the GTA yeah. games are full of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like, did, I forget, did GTA 4 have rampages? I don't know. Because GTA 3 had those rampages where it's like nothing is happening except like this game is going to become super hexagon for a moment yeah. mechanically. And it's right. just, just about bazookaing. Smash TV basically. Yeah. as many. Yeah. And they were just like things that would happen. And I don't know. I yeah. think GTA 4 tried to be internally consistent enough that it wouldn't have yeah. a rampage. In it. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, no, this, that couldn't happen. No. Well. Find <laughs> the six gold gun pieces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it had, there was the pigeons, I think, in GTA 4. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they always make sure to put in some weird thing yep. like that that's yeah, just a video, yeah. game, video game thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the extreme cynic in me thinks that some of that stuff is gone because it can actually be a microtransaction or a DLC in some cases <laughs> at this point. At least in a free-to-play game, there's never going to oh, be a cheat code true. that yeah, brings yeah, you anything. Yeah, but for sure. Um, yeah. mm. That's definitely true. But I, I think it's partly just that maybe it is – I don't know. I mean, I know you guys – I don't know what, well, I, I don't know how a lot of other games are made in the world other than the ones that we make, but I know that for us, the development hardware is divorced slightly from the hardware on which the game runs. So, like, people, even in QA, don't play on a development build which has, which is locked out from all that stuff. And I think that's yeah. where cheat codes probably came from is, okay, we, we're making this build and it's got to be pressed onto a disc or onto a cartridge that, then no one's going to get a new one of these for a week. So if you want to jump ahead or like we don't have saves or whatever else it is, yeah, you know, I mean, and you at this point, very specific. game development is easy enough that you don't necessarily need That's true. a cheat. Yeah. At least yeah. in, that, you can, in the and pure you can, mechanical part. And right. you can yeah, yeah. ship that and know that it won't be terrible because it does actually put an extra testing. Like if you if you make that an actual feature of your game, you know, like especially if you get, if you have like an in-game menu or something, yep. like you beat the game once and then it gives you access to the cheat menu. It's basically part of your real game now, even though it's, you know, yep. outside of the and, main game thing. And you have to like run it through, you know, if it's a console game especially, you have to run it through, through TRCs and all that and be like, oh, well, big head mode. Yep. Causes crazy crashes and bugs at, and stuff. Um, right? yeah. at, I don't know. I mean, at Telltale, when we were PC only for our first like three or so years, we we still always just shipped the internal debug menu because we knew that yeah. someone on the forums would find it. Where like in the first Sam and Max, the first two seasons of Sam and Max in the Bone Games, like I think if you hold Control Shift D and double click the Quit button, a pop up <laughs> menu comes up that just has nice. like debug UI art that lets you jump yeah. to any place, including a bunch of old cut content and crap, and nice. nothing works. It's all just total garbage. Right. <laughs> but then like we, the first time we shipped a game where that didn't work, someone on our forum was like, "Oh, the ah. secret menu is gone." What? We're like, "Sorry, this had to actually like people yeah, are going right. to be playing this." So we had to actually <laughs> stop putting that in. Um, like we have, yeah. Once, yeah. Once multi-platform stuff came out, and once it ended up having to go on consoles yeah. and stuff, we had to stop putting easy access to all the weird stuff that will make the game explode and erase itself. Yeah, um, yeah. I think there's also probably um, the what games have kind of boiled down into has been, I think, a general fork, one of which aims towards just marching towards more realism or at least more representational uh, fiction. Uh, you know, even if it's not realistic at all, it's a dude in a world doing things that are like affected by gravity, even if, even if he's using a crazy space gun or whatever. Right. And then Sweet. on the other, Sweet. and then on the yeah. other hand, then on the, other, the other route, just totally abstract, you know, like a super hexagon or whatever, like that entire category of games right. which spans a huge range of, of gameplay. Um, what there's less of is a thing like Doom, which is kind of mechanics that are similar to the abstract thing, but 
visually is somewhat representational. Just like that's enough the sort thing. of theming and creative content on top of that to have yeah. some semblance yeah. on reality. Right, but it's a really uh, weird – but it's yeah. kind of a, a gray area in terms of verisimilitude. And it, it's probably a lot easier to just seamlessly layer – Bunch of cheat codes on top of that, and and just like, well, it's already totally absurd. Yeah, Um, it seems like there are fewer games that fall into that. That that which is why the the Rockstar Open World stuff actually still has its home there really cleanly because it is true. I mean, the fidelity of the world is super high, but also the ridiculousness of the systems of that game are also high. Like it is a game where a tank can come flying out of the of the air and suspension sort of like bounce itself onto the street, and you're like. Maybe that would happen here. I'm climbing into this tank. No one says anything. I'm just going to blow away, guys, till yeah. I get five stars and jump it off a cliff. And then I'm going to make three more tanks, crush it until they explode. Like, sweet. That's then I'm going to go get a hot dog. Yep. And then I'm going to go get fat, and then I'm going to jog it off. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the gray area. Ah, the gray area. Where did That's it go? That's favorite. Well, yeah. Welcome to the gray area. The gray area uh, is what is confusing to people, sadly. It is, yeah. No, 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 yeah, and and it's well, yeah, because it is bonkers. <laughs> yeah, and it does, and it does, like, though. yeah, it's, but it's, I don't know, like, I, what, what, what saddens me is that, it, like, you know, the past ten, fifteen years, people have gotten really interested in saying things with a, a world that you know takes great pains to have verisimilitude and stuff like that, and then the previous, you know, fifteen, twenty. 25 years were about just doing like the perfect abstract Arcadia experience, but nobody, very few people have intentionally wielded the gray area, you know, to effect to be like, this has enough verisimilitude that you can. And honestly, like, I guess, yeah, callback like Proteus is like lo-fi enough that it's, it's abstract and clearly video gaming. It's clearly this very synthetic world, but it also feels it it evokes rather than, you know, just represents you know, uh, this, this actual world that you can kind of believe in. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, I don't know, I just think that's fertile ground. And the only reason that triple A games haven't gone near it is because it's sort of like, it's sort of, it's feels like this step down and kind of demeaning to like the, 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 the super, you know, uh, concrete cinematic aspirations that a lot of AAA game designers have. Now. I don't know about that though, because I think I think Proteus gets, gets away with it because Proteus has no concrete objectives. Proteus asks nothing of you systemically. Other than yeah, be true. in Proteus. Yeah, and sure. Well, I think a lot of that stuff fails or becomes incredibly expensive when people try to make something that feels like Proteus, but then at the same time has is asking you aggressively to interface with a series of interlocking systems in the way that a not a, a game, a game, game, game. Yeah. yeah. Isn't a Proteus type. Well, you know, what about Minecraft o- then? You know, like, cause, cause that's, but, that's still clearly like, it's, it's got a game qua game beneath it all, but it also, but it does have an atmosphere and it manages to evoke a little bit. It's not very well set up for, for that, but it, it just kind of lucked into it by virtue Minecraft of having really a good world one. gen. And, yeah. My, Minecraft still doesn't have a quest structure. It doesn't really have leveling up. It has XP, but it doesn't really do yeah, much but for it, you. But, it, but it's a lot more like, you know, but it's not, it's not that dissimilar from, well, it's like Ultima Four with less of a, with less of an overarching goal. And are, are you saying like the overarching goal is kind of what gives shape well, to all of that? I think so. It? I mean, I think if Minecraft suddenly was like build a fortress to protect against X or like quest yeah, yeah. X number of miles to find item Y, yeah, Minecraft would suddenly be a very different game than oh, it is. It absolutely would. Yeah, I guess my formulation of what's an abstract experience that's just you know kind of about things in the way that abstract art is about things versus a representational experience having a goal. You know, like we're representing a concrete slice of human experience, like usually a a traditional story or something like having an explicit goal or not, you know, it affects that a lot, obviously, but it's not like it doesn't it doesn't really change where most things I feel like lie on that spectrum. 
you know, and if Proteus had more explicit goals, it would still be if if it still had the same kind of world that it had, you know, then I don't know. I guess I like that. Both Proteus and Minecraft don't ask anything of me specifically. They just say, uh, yeah, that's, they yeah, just say yeah. here is a bunch of potential. There yeah. are some rules here which you must play within, but you're not asked to ever move in a specific direction or to achieve anything. I mean, in Minecraft, you can die. Um, so stay yeah. alive is, I guess, the only thing that it asks. But it also doesn't really give a shit about that because yeah, yeah. you can just go loot your corpse. But that's probably just, I don't know, like... Yeah, again, that just seems like it's it's going it's going with the grain of its aesthetics and stuff and not really like, you know, using those things to help it take a position on the on the spectrum between, you know, abstract and representational maybe. I don't okay. Know. But yeah. No, 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 yeah. It, that's interesting to think about. It's probably just that I hadn't thought about that those two axes intersecting much. Want to answer yeah. another reader email from a reader? Yeah. No, I think that's probably enough. Oh. Okay, video games. Yeah. Games. Thanks, JP. Thank you. Yeah. We'll probably have you on again soon. Cool. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Scrutinize. Write us emails at questions at idlethumbs.net. Visit us on the internet at yeah. idlethumbs.net. Slash idlethumbs. <laughs> or just idlethumbs.net. Idlethumbs.net slash idlethumbs is maybe the best URL. Yeah, it's pretty good. Visit our 404 page at idlethumbs.net slash idlethumbs slash idlethumbs. <laughs> <laughs> Where you can find downloads of Microsoft, Microsoft. Disk operating system. system uh, yeah. Compact, compact disk, disk read-only memory. Extensions. Extensions. Dot executable file. By Dr. Fat. Skrillex Remix. Oh. All right, by <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, I apologize. I thought we yeah. got on a high note by ruining it. Video Telefragging is an unknown killing force in multiplayer <laughs> gameplay of Halo Combat Evolved. I'm not saying that. But I'm not going to say it's September 19th, 2012, and telefragging is an unknown killing force in multiplayer mode of Halo Combat Evolved. <laughs> because it stands for Microsoft, Microsoft, Disk Operating System, Compact Disk, Read-Only Memory Extension. Yeah, MSCDEX. Hi, ma'am. 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 Hi, ma'am.